Today's episode is sponsored by Ava. Stop missing hot leads when you're out with a client or spending time with friends and family. Ava is a professional inside sales team and will respond to and nurture leads 24-7. And you step back in when the leads are ready to talk to an agent. Visit reraw.com forward slash Ava to learn more. Again, that's reraw.com forward slash A-I-V-A. Looking to take you and your real estate business to the next level? You're in the right place. Laying foundations for real estate success? This is the No Fluff, No BS podcast about real estate for real estate agents and other industry professionals looking to up their game. Unfiltered short-form sales meetings, interviews with agents from every walk of life, and ramble sessions about everything real estate. Welcome to a new mindset. You are listening to Reraw. And now, introducing your host, James Hoff. What's going on out there, Reraw Nation? Happy Wednesday. We're here for another Wednesday interview, which, by the way, thanks, because it seems like all of you are enjoying the uh, the interviews the best. No offense to my sales meetings or ramble sessions. We'll argue about that in another day. Uh, today, i got a great guest with me, Frank Blakely with Bay Equity Home Loans. How's it going, man? Good, good. How are you? Uh, I think I'm good. Just as good as I've been every other Wednesday. And uh, Frank here has been 13 years in the lending business. He comes from a fitness management background with 24-hour fitness. So yeah. not only am I in terrible company because he knows way more about money than I do, but I'm definitely the uh, the less fit person in the room. Um, so fortunately for us, we are just on a podcast. I was going to say, they will never know. A face, a face for radio and a body for it as well. That's perfect for me. Um, <laughs> So, Frank, uh, I wanted to kind of get some a glimpse into your life. Uh, tell us a little bit more about your, your background, how you got into uh, the lending side of things, and then, I don't know, share with us a little bit about your personal life. Yeah, yeah. I was uh, born and raised in San Diego, moved up to Orange County um, after getting my degree from San Diego State in kinesiology. So, yeah, fitness was my background. Um, I, when I got moved up to Orange County, I was based on being promoted as a manager for 24 Fitness and then moved up the ranks to a district fitness manager. And uh, from there, I think uh, the fitness industry or where I was working just became too corporate for me. And I decided I want to control my own destiny, help more people through lending. And at that time, it was, you know, 2008 where, you know, everything was kind of crashing at that point. So everybody's like, don't do it, don't do it. <laughs> and I, I really felt like, you know, I started hearing the horror stories of people getting taken advantage of. And I really wanted to come in the industry to, to make sure I was the one that talked to someone first to make sure they didn't get taken advantage of. So, um, one of the, the good plus. guys. Yeah. Yeah. All right. And, and so, you know, thankfully I did that too. Cause I think that's what kept me alive during the housing crisis was, uh, not taking advantage of people and them continuing to refer, come back to me through the years. For sure. And so now I, I live in San Clemente with my beautiful wife, Diane, who also is from San Diego. I have a nine year old son, super creative outside the box thinker nothing like me from that perspective. Lucky kid. <laughs> yeah. Lucky kid. And we have an eight month old, uh, uh, lab. English lab. Nala, oh my God. Cause my son was doing, uh, the Lion King play. And so Nala, that had to be the name. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. who's the, who takes more work, the dog or the boy? Oh, definitely the dog. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Now what if they were the same age who takes more work? Ooh, I don't know. Well, I could put the boy in the crib and the dog would jump out of the crib. So or chew the their way out, right? Or chew their way out. Yeah. <laughs> so they'd make, she'd make a hole. Yeah. So it's probably still the dog. 
So one question I like to ask, and thanks for sharing a little bit about that. Um, one thing I always like to ask people is like, how do you kind of balance between, you know, you're, you're obviously a family man, you've got yeah. a son, you've got a wife and a, and a dog, and uh, you guys are taking off on vacation here in a couple of days, I think, to recharge yeah. and, you know, rejuvenate a bit. What, like, how do you manage that balance between like your, your personal life and your business? Yeah. So not, not only balancing it, but my, my wife works and she works in a high high level sales position. So she's going, go, go too. So our priority is when we have time and make to make time um, to spend time with our son That's cool. and make sure that we're balanced out. So part of the reason I left that corporate job is that to have, I mean, I don't think there's a day that goes by where I don't answer my phone or answer an email, do some sort of work, Sure, but it's not all day, all day long, every single day. And it allows me to get off and spend time and have that balance. And it's really planned out. And the people that call me when I do talk to them on the weekends are the ones that like, hey, if they don't get an answer, they probably won't sleep or they won't get the house that they want to buy. Right. One of the two. So what does that look like for, you know, to dig on that just a little bit further? Like, you know, I'm married. My, my wife works. We've got three kids. And, you know, we know that push come to shove, like she yields to me because I'm bringing in more money than she is and like my schedule isn't necessarily as sensitive like when a client's ready to go i gotta go yeah so how do you guys navigate that as a couple or as a family is that something you guys have planned out ahead of time or do you guys kind of fly by the seat of your pants like what have you found to be successful with that for other people that are probably in a similar position but haven't figured it out yeah communication is number one so before we are always butting heads going like Hey, I need this time or I yeah. need that time. And you yep. know, our own jobs and our own clients are our priorities, right? And then this is a subset to our families. And so we're about ahead. So we have to really at the beginning or, or going into a week, go, okay, what do we have on the schedule? What do you absolutely need to be at and when? Where does Cole actually need to be at and when? Sure. And then make sure we plan it all out in advance. And that way there's less reactionary and less stepping on toes as far as value of time because each one of our employers or clients are valuable yeah. and most valuable to us. And we had to make sure that we had that communication to set up for those elements. Because if not, it just doesn't work. So we talk a lot about, you know, the communication between spouses. So like family communication and understanding and respecting one another's schedules, having those boundaries set and clear, right? Mm-hmm. And then I know you very specifically, and you invited me into a group uh, that you've been working diligently with. And yeah. I, I'm very resistant um, because, you know, we all are set in our ways in some ways, but you've been really diligent this year, specifically on time blocking and really um, and, and writing that out. And I was hoping for the listeners, you could share a little bit about what tool you're utilizing and yeah. how it's helped you and kind of go down that path of um, actually scheduling your day, scheduling your week in advance, and then evaluating it on the back end. Because we do a lot of that in our sales meetings every week, evaluate how productive you've been. Some of that's inspired by what you're doing. Yeah. So, I, I mean, and this goes back to when I was a district fit, fitness manager for 24 Fitness. I okay. had 12 to 27 locations at once and I had 300 employees. So I used to plan my whole schedule out like 90 days in advance. And I'd leave Fridays open, which were my floating days for clubs that needed more help or I just hadn't seen them for a while. So, you know, coming into the mortgage industry, very reactionary and like, hey, we know that commissions is what's gonna help pay our bills and food and everything else. So it came in somewhat reactionary. When the phone rang, I was acting and working. And when it didn't ring, that's when I can go kind of chill out. And then I realized I wanted to have less reactionary time, more right. proactivity time. Mm-hmm. And so um, planning my week was is very crucial for that. And so I really feel like 
you know, we have a planner called by win by win by noon. Yep. And that's what is the foundation for, um, our group that we're meeting with. And I can get more done by noon if it's planned out and it's focused and I'm taking my highest priority items. I can get more done by noon than I think a lot of our industry can be done in the whole day. And the reason is they're waiting for things to come to them. I know what we're teaching and talking about is what do you need to get done this week? What is your highest priority task or what is your highest priority activity that will bring in results and schedule that first? If you get that done, let's fill in the second and third. Right. And then usually people don't need more than one than three in a top priorities to get done proactively to make things happen. Yeah. And this is really key. And and thanks for sharing it, because I think what a lot of people end up doing is they they pick like, you know, 15 different activities that could lead generate or be income productive for them. Right. And then when they get bored with one, they switch to another, but they don't have any designated time or plan or allocation for, you know, when they approach that, you know, and it, and it causes just quite frankly, it causes not even organized chaos. It's just total chaos. They don't know when they're supposed to be doing what, and you know, like fly on the wall, you just, you're distracted the next shiny object or whatever it is. Right. Um, so at the end of each week, you actually go through and you kind of give yourself a score. You do this every week, every month. Yeah. Like, what's kind of the what's the routine on that? Yeah, you, uh, you you plan out your week, and then at the end of the week, or before you, as you're setting your plan for the next week, yep, you evaluate what worked, what didn't work. Did I follow my plan, or did I not? You actually rate your scale, your, yourself on a one to ten scale. Yep, and you know, do a self evaluation to be real about it. I mean, it, it, I, I last week, I did a horrible job of my number one. My number one was to call new prospective real estate partners, uh-huh. and I failed horribly. I let things distract me. Sorry and, about that. Yep. <laughs> so, and so what happens is this upcoming week, I'm behind now, right? And, right? and now it's back in the plan. And now instead of having that plan completed on Thursday, it's now Tuesday. So just to like reiterate the focal point that we have in our Monday morning sales meetings, and it tails off of this exact thing, like this, it's inspired by this type of thing anyway. Yep. Um, and it, it was certainly surfaced again by being a part of this group that, that you started, which is phenomenal. Um, but it's, it really is like, give yourself a score, but don't kick yourself for it. Mm-hmm. Like, right. Like you evaluate, you're like, oh, cool. Like I totally could have buttoned this up. Like it could have been better here. And I think that once people realize it's like, it's not a game to bring yourself down. And, and once you do that, you can start being honest about that score. Right. Like if someone's like, oh, it's totally a 10 out of 10. Yeah. Like, well, why are you not rich? (laughs) Like, I don't know what to tell you. Like, why? Then why did you not hit your goal? Like, you're not you're not perfect. (laughs) That is exactly it. Is that if you want to be better, you're going to be as critical as you want to be to improve your game. And if you don't, then you mean the best you can do is the best you can do. But is that going to move the needle as far as your business? Right. Maybe not. Yeah. And if you're a 10 out of 10 you know, for, for based on what you knew and what you did in the past week, then great. Then you got to look at it and say, cool, how can I do even better? Like now, now if a 10 is a seven, how do I make the, how do I make the new 10 or whatever, you know? And it's okay. Like, like guys, Frank is, is so great. And I know this from experience because Frank and I've worked together. I'm also part of this um, mastermind group, which is really interesting dynamic that I want to dive into more with you as well. Um, you know, but grading yourself and being honest with yourself about your productivity and what you're doing well at and what you're sucking at is just, it's super important. And if you can't be honest with yourself about it, then there's no room for improvement. Because if you're always like, you know, patting yourself on the butt with how great you're doing, but you're really not doing that great, then you're never going to do that great. So, 
Uh, yeah, that's really cool. So just to shout that out again, that's win by noon and I, there's no affiliate relationship there at all. Um, but a great company and their planners are actually really cool. Um, yeah, I, I would use it as a tool more than anything. Um, you know, not necessarily like not necessarily sticking to it, but like make it work and mold it to what's best for you. But, um, that yeah, that's really cool. Um, so tailing off that again, like you have a mastermind group yep. and I would say you're adding pretty substantial value to other lenders to realtors to both what what kind of yeah, groups so, are you in so right now it's it's real estate agents that i had worked with um mm-hmm. or we're starting to work with and the basis for it was you know as as a lender real estate agents get called by a tremendous amount of affiliates and people and you know when you call you go hey how's everything going right um do you need anything and i think there's an automatic response like hey no long no matter how long you've worked with somebody I have business for you or I don't. And so the assumption was when the call happened was, hey man, I'm sorry, Frank, I don't have business for you, <laughs> you know, right now. And that wasn't the intent and purpose of my call. My intent and purpose of the call was actually, how can I help you get more business, right? From systems and tools that we do on a daily, weekly basis. Um, and so the what constantly happened was, you know, just interruptions and I would have some time scheduled with agents and they sure. would be like, Hey, I have an inspection on this time. And it seemed like any appointment day was like, they were, they were doing business, which was awesome. Yep. But I knew it wasn't planned out business. So I started the mastermind group as a way just to see if we can get people together and be more focused on time management. Um, I think a hundred percent of the group has kids and yeah. the same values as me. And I wanted the same thing was kick butt in 2018 see if we can plan out better, spend more time with our kids, reach goals that maybe you've set years for years and not achieved yep. and just really make it more efficient and go like, Hey, I got it done in 40 hours or less a week, <laughs> which would be cool, right? Increase business, get it done in less time and be more productive. So in my opinion, that's kind of you as a lender adding different value, right? So what is, what does that look like to you as far as like, how did you select to do a mastermind to help add value to agents as opposed to a lunch and learn, which seems to be a huge fad right now, mm-hmm. um, or some other form of, you know, Hey, let's do a co-branded piece. Let's do a, let's do a lunch and learn. Let's do a mastermind. Let me, let me help you with open houses. Like how do you pick and choose the stuff that you're doing and what other than just the mastermind are you doing to add value that like uniquely differentiates you? Yeah. So it wasn't necessarily done on purpose. If you remember, we mm-hmm. had a group in and we are strictly talking about how to use the planner. Right. And from the, it was a facilitation, like you guys, the group that was in there was giving me all the feedback sure. and I was just guiding through how to use the planner and it ended up being like, Hey, there's still a lot of questions on how to make Big time. our time more efficient. And so that rolled into, hey, why? what would you guys think about doing a mastermind group once a week and starting some accountability and sharing best practices? But so you asked for that. I asked for See, it. See, and that's, and, and sorry to cut you, but we'll go back. Like asking for it is huge. Yes. Too many people are presumptive about like, hey, does, is this must be what my buyers want. Like, yep. so here's the best, like, you know, apple pie recipe. Like, yep. you're welcome. Now use me to buy a house. Right. <laughs> like, not only is it irrelevant, but it's, you know, is it really what they wanted? Yeah. You know, so you, so Frank asked his audience, his prospective clientele, his referral base, like you asked us what we wanted. Yep. Crazy how you got real answers. And then now you're able strangely to just provide what everybody wanted. And now you're facilitating a mastermind group, which, you know, hasn't, 
hasn't grown, but that wasn't the point to grow it. Really it's, not. it's, it has grown in that it's grown together yep. and it's grown in a way, like everybody's from different brokerages and we're all competitors in like a really like tight geographical market, but we're all sharing legit ideas yeah. and nobody feels threatened by it because we're all so confident in what we're doing. Um, but that's a unique value that you added. So where do you think to tail off of that? Like what else? Well, let me back up. What else are you doing to add value aside from mastermind groups to agents in general? Yeah. So anytime I meet with someone for the first time, mm -hmm. um, we go through a high trust interview. Okay. Which is what? Is going through what do you see success for yourself as in your business and your personal life? So this is with an agent? With an agent. Okay. Right. So we sit down and we talk about it because so many agents are used to getting a pitch, right? And yep. I think there's anytime I meet somebody for the first time, they're like, oh my God, he's a lender. When's the pitch coming? Yep. Right. Yeah. So loan off, this is really for loan officers right yeah. now. Like this is a huge thing yeah. that if you're a loan officer and you want to do something interesting, you need to listen to this because um, I've actually gone through this with you. Um, I'm yes. realizing it as it popped out. I'm like, oh damn. We did go through that. Yeah. And I remember it was a pretty, we talked kind of like a ramble session kind of language in that. It actually was. It was surprising, <laughs> it was, right? It was super, it, it, yeah. right? Because it, we have to both find out if we're Compatible. in the same position yeah. to do business together. Because like me, I, I, I've had some people and they're like, I really don't have goals for this year. I'm like, we're probably not going to be a match. Right. We can stay in touch. We can be friends. We can say hi to each other. But I want to work with somebody. <laughs> Frank's doing a side business, which is the, the e-harmony to link agents to lenders. Yeah. Like, are we compatible? <laughs> yeah. We should have that, by the way. That'd be great. Yeah, that'd be great. Um, I'm going to cut that out so nobody takes the idea. Yeah. <laughs> in, a, in a business format. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. So, but, we, but we talk about like, hey, what, what have you done in your business? Yep. What are you looking to do as far as your goals for this upcoming year? And what do you think is the, the biggest... Um, what is the biggest mover to help you get to your goals this year? Yeah. And so when I actually call and follow up, I'm ha I have notes on all this information. So I'm asking about that information rather than just how's it going, right? right? How's your business going? I'm asking you going, Hey James, I know you've been working on getting a podcast together. Yeah. How is that going? And if you remember that, that was actually the foundation of our conversation. Absolutely. It wasn't like, Hey, how many homes did you sell? It was, right. Hey, how's the podcast coming? And because I knew that was your number one passion. That's and what what's interesting is you guys were working on potentially doing some side content Yep. Um, at the time as well. So it was like a very, there was a lot of like, I don't know, mutual benefit there. Right. Cause yeah. I'm kind of learning in a platform, but you're also helping me support my real estate business and all that kind of stuff. Right. Cause I was working on like freeing up time yeah. without having the stress that, you know, who's going to screw me over yeah. and all that other stuff. Right. So yeah, it's cool. But, but I think if you could speak to the lenders right now, the message that I'm hearing is like, you're getting, you're actually taking the time to get to know somebody. You're not just calling and being like, Hey, I've got a great product that everybody else can also provide. Like, so come talk to me about yeah. it. Like I want to buy you coffee, which you could spend $2 on yourself. You cheap yeah. bastard. Like you're actually, you're actually like calling someone and you're, you're giving first. You're asking about them first. A lot of lenders, including myself, have a lot of similar tools, mm -hmm. right? How to use those tools to help grow business could be a differentiator from me and somebody else. So I actually try to take the tools that I, I use and and have, and from the agent's perspective of what they're doing or where they wanna go, show them how to use those tools to grow the business in the format they want to. Then just like the win by noon, when we agree to start a project or to start implementing a process in a system, yep. when we call and talk later on, I'm gonna see how you're doing on implementing that process and system or if there's things that I can do to help out to implement it faster yeah. to grow and the hardest part is that 
not everything is instant gratifiers, right? Right. Unless you're paying for a lead, right? And that specific lead source is like guaranteeing you a lead to come in, they're gonna be probably more long-term. And so a lot of times we're talking about lost leads, right? Like open houses and follow-up, uh, the 25 people that you meet every month and how are you incubating them and following up with them? And you know, just sticking with it, not giving up on the second, third, fourth call, um, to make sure that over time yeah. you're going to have more business that's more consistent. Yep, absolutely. And so, so this may come off as total Chinese to me because I'm not a lender, but don't worry about saying it in a way that I understand. You guys have your own tools that you use as lenders that yeah. not all agents have access to, obviously, and vice versa. Mm-hmm. Um, as a loan officer, would what what tool would you say is either overused or maybe misused by lenders most often? Like what? Like what? Let me rephrase it. What tool do lenders think they're using to add value? Yeah. That's like not really that valuable. A flyer. Okay. I guess it's equivalent, I guess, to the agent saying, yeah. hey, if you use me, I'll give you a free CMA. Yeah. It's like, yeah, of course you will. You have yeah. to tell me what my house is worth if you want me to list with you. A flyer yeah. and, you know, I've done it. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody's done it, right? They go, hey, I got this new flyer. Mm-hmm. Hey, I'm sh- hey, have it for your open house. Right. And as much as that's in with good intent, Unless you show somebody how to use that flyer in order to generate more business, yeah, the flyer is worth our, the same amount as our prequal letters. Now, is it a co-branded <laughs> flyer or just a flyer? It has to be co-branded yeah. because otherwise, it's actually less than the paper that's written on. Yeah, yeah, of course, <laughs> it has to be co-branded. <laughs> but how how to use it? Because some of those flyers actually have some systems and processes behind it to actually capture leads. Yeah. Right. So then, if you take that flyer and now it's a it's a lead generating tool. And then you're going to show the agents how to get leads from it and actually how to follow up when they come in. Yep. Then you have a greater purpose beyond the flyer. Yeah. And for agents and lenders alike, I mean, the reality here is, is that you can, you can talk about co-branded stuff. Obviously there's certain things that have to be done to remain compliant and you know, you got to do what you got to do. Um, but I'm a big fan of the takeaway approach. Mm-hmm. And, uh, one of the ways I built my real estate team is like, I, you know, I teach them what I know. Like yeah. I don't, I don't hold anything back. I don't yeah. cut them off at the knees and be like, Hey, like, welcome to the team. Yeah. So I'm going to teach you everything, but that golden nugget, just yeah. so that if you ever leave, you could never do it. Right. Yeah. It's like that, that approach where it's like, no, I'm not threatened. And I think I add enough value that I'm gonna give you everything I got. And you are going to love me and feel loyalty to me that you're going to come back to me when you got something yeah. like, that's what I'm giving to you, yeah. you know? And I think that, um, I think the approach of like the mastermind group is unique and different. Yep. Um, are you, so on the mastermind side, are you in any masterminds or what do you do as a loan officer to keep yourself and hold yourself accountable as a lender? Cause you can't just talk to agents all day to up your game. Yeah. So I, I actually, uh, I have two coaches. Okay. So, um, my, I have a branch partner in my mission Viejo branch. Okay. So we have a coach together for, for branch initiatives. And then I have a coach for myself and my personal business. Okay. So like today, this morning I had that call and I, my number one was to call new agents, right? Prospective partners. Yep. He got off the phone early with me. <laughs> he goes, yeah, I think you need to make some phone calls. So oh, that's I'm, funny. I'm cutting it short today. <laughs> and it was like big kick in the butt. So coaching I think is amazing, um, to have. Yeah. And that's lender, real estate agent. And, I think at every level a coach is needed because you get a different perspective. You get people that like yourself, this podcast yeah. is giving just straight up. Hey, um, what here's, what, here's, what, <laughs> here's what's out here. Yeah. Right. And like it or not, this is how it is. If you have the right coach, they're going to do the same thing. So coaching, I think has become like almost a bastardized term. Like it's very, 
like everybody wants to be a coach. Like, you know, it's like all of a sudden you graduate college, like, well, I'm going to be a life coach now because the experience I went through in college could change people. It's like, nah, it doesn't work that way. Like, so what, what would you say, uh, is the most important thing that you go to your coach for? What is, what do you look to extract from your, not from your, your branch coach? Let's talk just about your personal business development Um, coach. So hold me back from going to the squirrel effect. Okay right like that shiny new penny or the this hey squirrel that new thing that yep. is generating business for somebody else that i don't have yet and keeping me focused on so you also asked what was the number one to stay on as far as a lender yeah the phone is always the number one yeah the phone is in follow-up in building new relationships the phone is number one to to get to that next step and actually do business so um Master just keeping phone. keeping me on that yeah. Right. Is just like, stop, don't get distracted, finish the plan that we set out Yep. and, and get it done. Yeah. Cause you could sit there and like analyze the production number of agents that you would love to target for like mm-hmm. weeks yep. and then develop your list. And then your competition's already called through all of them yeah. because they didn't sit and think about it for too long. Right. Yeah. Or like you get, like you said, the shiny new tool, right. Or the new, for an agent, it would be equivalent to like the new lead generator or the, Hey, are you, you know, are you using the keywords such and such search for homes in yeah. whatever county? And yeah. well, cause we could sell you that. It's like, yeah. nah, that's cool. Well, and I think for me, I, I mean, I really want the agents that I work with to hit their goals. And right. I've, we've had calling parties together. Like, <laughs> Hey, come over on a Saturday to my office. We'll both make phone calls together. Yeah. We, we do open houses together. I have a team that helps out with, with doing open houses with the, with real estate agents. So, I mean, it, it, it's really more of a side by side approach. Like, Hey, I, I, I know what you're doing or what you did to get this listing. Let us help you get it sold and then generate more leads from it to get more business down the road. So I, I, we understand that perspective and yeah. we want to, it's, we, we got to do it too. We got to do our part. Yeah. So let's shift over on the selfish side for me, because I, I got to get as much info out of you as possible. Um, cause you know, I don't get enough from the masterminds. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> what's, uh, let's, let's talk about what you see and hear as a lender perspective to the real estate agents. So you work with a lot of agents and you experience a lot of uh, good, bad, and everything in between practices over the course of a transaction um, whether, and maybe before, whether it's marketing practices or otherwise, do you have any, um, do you have anything that you would say that you see right now as a trend with agents that they, that, they, that they really just shouldn't be doing? That they shouldn't be doing. What, what are agents doing in transactions that are hurting themselves or hurting their clients that they shouldn't be doing? Just micromanaging the process too much. Like mm-hmm. I think if, like we all get it. This is, this is your income. You're trying to help out your, your client. But when you call twice a day or three times a day about the same thing, um, it doesn't help speed anything up. All it does is create more stress and sometimes animosity within the transaction. Sure. And then people start pointing fingers rather than working cohesively to get the deal done. Yeah. So I think if I'm hearing it correctly, what you're saying is like, it's, it's kind of like the 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 real estate agent understanding what your capabilities of, as a loan officer are versus like what are just the rules and the processes that have to be gone through and like respecting that. Yeah. Well, yeah, I think 
you know, we all we all get it. We got a transaction started together, right? It's somebody's home. I was gonna say, like, I've done this with you already. Yeah. So, <laughs> but, but it's somebody's it's somebody's home that we're right. we're either trying to get them in a new home or we're trying to sell or both at the same time and both at the same time. Like we've all signed up to get it done together. We all get compensated from getting it done together. Sure. And if the end goal is really helping the client out, we're all we all if we're in this industry should be doing our best to get it done. Yep. Right. If you're not, you're in the wrong industry. Right. right? You just do something else because that's the foundation for what we're doing is is get it done, get it done right, and communicate as best you can. And sometimes you have to trust that the people are doing it. And then after a certain time frame, so if I told you, James, that I was going to get something done by tomorrow, yep. if it's not done, then I should either call you or show you something in writing to verify what's actually happening at that point. Right. That way you don't freak out and feel like you have to call me four times a day. Right. I think sometimes in our industry that you know a lender says, trust me, trust me, trust me, at a certain point they need to start showing some verification from an underwriter, right. something in writing that's not from them, sure. um, that actually takes the stress off of the transaction that everybody trusts is gonna get done. Yeah, one of the one of the earlier deals, which I know you, you're gonna recall that, that you and I had a chance to work on together, it, it was like, super not easy <laughs> and yeah. i was the guy that probably called you like four times an hour forget about four times a day um and it's easier said than done when you're like when you're not in the transaction it's way easier said than done when you're in the transaction and there's a 25 30 paycheck on the line you're like i don't really care man like yeah. break the rules do what you got to do like yeah. play the game like yeah. screw sally like go above sally like you know yeah. get jerry on the phone and yeah. whatever it doesn't matter yeah. right um but it's about understanding like what you have control of respecting that process and i swear i was going somewhere with that um well i think at some point so during this transaction yep <laughs> which was so fun um <laughs> i stopped you guys all missed the eye roll I, I i i stopped telling you yeah i stopped telling you and i actually started forwarding you information from underwriters oh that's what people, we're people yeah. that were in that were the ones making the decision in the process yeah that's what we're talking about frank the lender anymore but the other thing and actually thanks for bringing that back to me because my my small brain like was getting away from me but um it, it, it's about accepting and, and taking accountability for what's yours yeah. and spending less time pointing the fingers, but like providing accurate and real information. And at some point I was unfairly as most agents do and I'll, I'll own it. It's all good. I was unfairly putting blame on you for shit that you just didn't have control of. And it's not that you didn't have control and that like you, you couldn't, uh, that you couldn't influence or help. Like you took the actions that were necessary, but I had an un, fair expectation that you could make things happen faster than like the process just had to go through. Right. But yes. there are things that, uh, and if there's any message, I would say loan officers, agents, title, anybody, it does anybody in this business, really any sales job, like just own your, own your stuff. You know, like if you miss a deadline, like people go, Oh, well it's not that big of a deal. Like, no, it is a big deal. And it's not a big deal when you own it yeah, and then acknowledge it. And, don't point fingers at, well, if so-and-so did this, like we spend so much more time pointing the finger right. at who to blame. And it's like, well, if you just spent all that energy trying to resolve the issue instead of figuring out who to take the fall, then you, like the solution would be found much quicker and then nobody cares. And then at the end, we can just figure out how to learn from it and move on. Yep. Um, but yeah, you took, you, <laughs> you, you did probably the wise thing with me, which was like, yeah, dude, you suck. Like here's your, just here, here's all the emails. I'm just going to forward them through, just pass them through. So James believes me and you know, whatever. Cause I did like, there's a, there's a bullshit factor that I think we're used to getting. Oh, for sure. So 
why is it that agents or lenders for that matter why does that exist is it because too many people were lied to in the recession or like there there was too much weaseling around in the lending practices like where did the distrust between agent and lender come into play yeah so i think there's i think there's trust there but i think the last stat i saw was 40 percent of transactions still fall out of escrow that's crazy which is which is that's way higher than i would have thought and I think because the there's fault. not enough verification, a lot of times it is the lender. <laughs> oh, okay. It is the lender because there's an assumption that, hey, I'm taking all the information that the borrower told me, yeah. but they're not verifying it. And then right. they're sending a pre-approval letter instead of a pre-qualification letter. Right. And it should have been a pre-qualification letter to show, hey, this is what I have so far and this says that I can get it done, but I haven't verified squat. Yeah, but out of fairness, it also is just as much the real estate agent's fault for not pushing the person to get pre-qualified or pre-approved. Now I get it. Sometimes we're out touring homes and somebody falls in love and they want to write the offer immediately, yes. which is a deal that we uh, experienced together uh, in, a, in both good and bad ways. It, was, it ended up being a great transaction. Everyone was happy, but there were definitely some stresses and little nuances that you know we probably would have known had they gotten pre-qualified months before, but that wasn't the position we're yeah. in. And sometimes clients yeah. don't know what type of factual information that needs to be provided or not. Right. So in some examples, like uh, divorces happen, right? Yep. And there's a certain amount of support. That a lot was, of those right now. That was verbally agreed on, but on paper with court documents, it shows something else. Lenders have to go off the court documents, not the verbal. Right. Right. That can throw a transaction off. And sometimes that's not, we don't, we don't get that information until later on. When a lot of, so you're taking the word because they're saying, because hey, that's all you paying. got. They're yeah. saying, this is what I'm paying. Right? right. But, and then why would you ever want to go back to the court? Right. <laughs> when you and your ex have already agreed on something verbally. Right. To now get it on paper to qualify for a loan. They go like, Hey, not getting the house is, is a far better choice <laughs> yeah. than going back down that track again. So sometimes those things do happen too, where, um, verbally something's happening from the, the buyer. Yeah. And then once you verify what the bank actually needs, it may be a different story completely. But on the real, and again, I, and I know I kind of iterated this already, but, and I want to kick the dead dog, but on the realtor side, guys, it's like, it's so important that real estate agents also set the expectation because so often before anyone even talks to a loan officer, the agents already had several meetings with them. Yeah. And, and, and I'm, some people say, Hey, I'm not even taking you out until you get pre-approved. I'm not that agent. I'll take you out for two years. I don't really care. Like, it, I think you I have build to, trust, right? like build trust. Let's get to know each other. Most of my meetings happen in the field because yeah. to me, that's kind of like we can casually small talk, get to know you and your family and this and that. And then at some point it's like, I got to get you in front of the lender when you're comfortable, yeah. but we're not, we're not setting that expectation enough where it's like, yeah, no big deal. We'll get pre-qualified and we'll just play that game. You got to like set the expectation that yeah, pre-qual is fine. But like I could call like my aunt and get that and she's not even a loan officer yeah <laughs> you know well, well and also it's all about the house right right so so you you can go hey i want the pre-approval and stuff and the person's like ah, i'm not not really into it until they get that emotional state like i found sure. the right house that's when the gas pedal goes on so that's like hey i'm gonna wait six months yeah and then all of a sudden it's two weeks later and they're like i want to buy this house that's where that follow-up comes into yeah so there you can't assume you always have to give next steps. Here's our next step in the process. Even though you don't have a house that you're ready for right now, we've seen it so many different times where all it takes is that one house that popped up in the neighborhood that you want to buy. Yeah. 
and then all instead of like the the crazy chicken going you know with a head cut off yeah you're planned out and you can make an offer with confidence but it, it's it's sometimes a really it's it, it's it's sometimes it's it's unrealistic because until that client gets that emotional state and found sure. that house they don't want their credit pulled <laughs> you know? yeah i guess you know and and i i feel like i'm quickly becoming known for finding a rabbit hole and jumping into it like i feel like we should go down this path for a minute because there there's definitely a conversation that it, agents and lenders alike but especially agents there's definitely a conversation that they can have in an articulate way yep. that emphasizes the importance of getting pre-qualified and like you know oh the the client comes back and says dude but i don't want to i don't want to dock my credit okay yep. so let's just debunk that really quick right now how much does it really knock someone's credit to get pre-qualified with a lender? Very minimal. And what is very minimal? Like, like let's be like real. Less than ten points, right? Okay. It's not. It's not a substantial. It's probably less than five. I don't know if there's a different science too, but it's a few points, right? It's okay. not nothing substantial that would um, take somebody out of qualifying. What would is mm -hmm. if somebody's checking constantly, like every month, with different sources of credit. That is what's going to pull their credit down. Okay, so let's clarify that really quick too, because there's also a misconception out there, and agents definitely are getting this wrong as well. Yep. There's also a misconception. Sorry to throw you under the bus, but like, the the client has a right to get competitive. Yep. And not lose out. That's right. So the client, the buyer, mm -hmm. can go get pre-qualified with several different lenders, and it's not going to knock their credit over and over and over and over again. Within 30 days of their initial pull, it's one hard credit. Yep. They'll show up as inquiries, but only one card credit pull right. for that 30-day time period. So agents, this is super important because there's a lot of times where people say, I don't want my credit pulled because I don't want to knock my score. And then people say, but I, I also don't know if I like your guy, and I don't want to like qualify with 10 different people or whatever or shop the rate because it's going to keep knocking my credit if you do it diligently in a you know a couple week period it's not going to kill you what frank was identifying is that if you're applying for a mortgage and then you go like apply for a line of credit and then you go get like you buy a couch at macy's with a <laughs> macy's credit yeah. line whatever and then you get a, a car and then whatever it is like if you're going to all these different types of credit pulls that's where it's going to yeah, like kill you're you really right? shopping you're yeah shopping like you're really, everything you just want yeah. everything you're like yeah. you know what with that new house i think i should get a new car and yeah. that couch looks pretty like you can't do all that shit on the front end yeah so and then also on the other side though i've had clients with over seven steady credit scores and they let's say we had them pre-approved last year okay and they're like hey frank we don't want to do anything until we find the house well then they find the house we update their credit and they have a collection, like oh. a metal collection, arrowhead. I've had so many different things come up recently and it takes their credit score down a hundred points. Right. And now they may lose out on the house that they wanted because there wasn't preparation in advance. So we get it. Your credit's excellent. It's 800 plus. Right. However, the, this will protect you to make sure those unforeseen circumstances don't come up in advance. So not just that, uh, and you're right, yeah, 100%. And it, not just that, but it, like in short, kind of, I don't know, maybe easy, digestible terms, like it's about preparing the client. It's yeah. all about preparation, right? Mm -hmm. So a lot of times people ultimately want to, you know, they want to get qualified for a property, but they want to wait till they find the right house. And then, you know, the agent's like, yeah, that's cool. Let's keep looking. But what agents forget is like most of their job happens like before and after. 
like the transaction is only like 30 days, 30, 45 days tops, right? Yeah. So most of the work has to come before and after that. Yeah. The, before like we're shopping for houses, before because we're list we're prepping the listing, the marketing material, all that stuff, right? Like once you're game, you're like in your it's go time, you go. But I think what I would do, and I'd like your opinion on this, like how I would personally think it's better because I've started doing this and just saying, hey, listen, it's all good that you're like six months to a year out. What I would recommend is let's get you pre-qualified, even though you're not ready to go, yes. because this is going to help me game plan. Yep. Because to be honest with you, Frank, I don't even know if we're looking in the right price range right now. Like all these homes I'm showing you for like 900 grand, I don't know if you can afford 600 grand or like. 1.5 yeah and and maybe you want 900 no matter what yep. but if you want 900 and you're approved up to 1.5 your game if you want 900 and you're only at six now we need to game plan and we need to figure out how long it's going to take you to do and what it's going to take you to, to to get there yep so i mean i i relate it to when i was in the fitness industry as a trainer that it's until we do an initial assessment we can't measure goals and set a plan up right, right. so the initial consultation with us and doing a pre-qualification or pre-approval allows us to do that initial assessment to set an accurate plan, not based on assumptions, but based on factual information that's provided from the borrower. Right. And now we have parameters because we've also found that somebody that wanted to save up for 20%, pay yep. wasn't that far off with 10 or 15%, and they can act now rather than waiting for home prices to go up over 5% or interest rates to go up another quarter percent. Absolutely. Right? So it actually saved them now, and not only from a payment perspective, but also a net equity perspective. Mm -hmm. Financially, it was a win-win. Right. So those those things happen too. So And it takes the right house. Yeah. They were ready to move because they're like, yeah, I don't want to wait another year before I buy the house. I found it. Yeah. You know, I found the right one. I'm willing to give up that extra $100 a month to make it happen now. Absolutely. So is there anything off the top of your head aside from what we've already talked about that you think agents can put into that conversation that can help motivate people to get pre-qualified or make getting pre-qualified seem perhaps less intimidating yeah so i think um that it's an educational process right so it's not just about checking your credit and and having everything but your blood sample taken right to pre-qualify because that's the reality of it right i mean we ask for everything yep. it's starting to change a little bit but um going hey this will really help you assess and be educated on what your options are once you find the right house mm -hmm. and i think you have to relate it to your what, what has happened in the past i mean that yeah. is a real story where we go those weekend calls that i get it's not somebody that was already pre-approved right. it was somebody that was waiting yeah. for six months and then they found the house and they call on a Saturday and they're like, I need to get pre-qualified today. And so I can put an offer tomorrow, which is a Sunday. Yep. So th those situations happen all the time. And then it's a much more stressful situation when you have it done that way versus getting pre-qualified and then getting pre-approved and over 70% of our buyers go through an underwriter yep. to get a fully conditional pre-approval to make sure that we're not part of the 40% of fallouts. Right. Right. Yeah. And so having those conversations on the front end, but also the understanding of the process. And I think there's too many agents also. Uh, and and I, I could always use refreshers as well. So I'm not I'm not taking myself out of this group of people. Uh, there's too many agents that aren't staying up on good lending practices. And it's not for me to know how to do your job. That's not what I'm saying. But there's too many agents that don't understand the process of getting pre-approvals and they don't truly appreciate what that looks like. So yeah. they can't talk about how it doesn't have to be intimidating and it doesn't have to be this like dog and pony show. Like you like it's all good, you know, but 
if you're here's the here's the problem let me back up i'm like tripping over my own words yeah but when it comes when it comes in on a saturday which i know a guy who's done this and it's like hey they're ready to write an offer now and it's like a million dollar house and all of a sudden it's like holy shit like hurry up and go the problem we run into is now it's automatically stressful not just for you and me it's stressful for our client that's right if we do it on the front end and we say hey like it's guys it's no different than giving a disclosure package to your seller when you take the listing as opposed to when you get into escrow oh do we have to do these now no you don't but if you start working on them now when we get into escrow you can just hand it to me yeah and i'll just send it to the buyer you don't have to like stress and go holy crap like what's going on like just do this when you have time if you prep the buyer ahead of time they can start collecting their paperwork maybe it takes them a week but at least they have the week because if you do it on a Saturday and it's like you found that perfect property and now you finally got them motivated because you didn't have these real conversations ahead of time, now they now it's like, yeah, forget the bottle of wine, dude. I need everything now and good luck finding it because some of your documents may not be accessible to you until the week or you know, depending on where you work and all that stuff, it becomes a major, major stress. That's not good customer service. Well, and, and I think the buyer understands it at that point sure. that they, they waited. However, I think those real life stories of what that, what kind of stress it can bring upon the process yeah. when you find the right house. And I think relating to our prospective clients and letting them know like, Hey, I get it. Yep. There's not a lot of inventory right now. And the how the perfect house is not on the market, right? but it may come up next week. And if it does, I want you to make sure that you're prepared as possible to put your best foot forward to get it. Or for re-raw agents, because I know all of you out there are bettering yourself, you know that you're not waiting for that house to come on the market. So you tell your buyer, if I'm going to invest in you, then what I need you to do is go through this process. So I'm actually putting real money behind marketing pieces to prospective homes that are not on the market That's right. for you. And if you do that, then I'll do this. Right. So now like now there's a trade off like I'm willing to invest financially. I need you to spend a couple hours and get all your stuff together. Well, and think about those those the letters that go out with I have a pre-qualified buyer. Yeah. And now you slip in a pre-approval right behind it with with a name with the letter. (laughs) I'm getting excited just thinking about it. I'm like, I got to get someone going here and real life. (laughs) Right. Now you're separating yourself from all the others that are just saying letters trying to get the listing. Yeah. And they don't have anybody pre-qualified for it. They just know there's a lot of buyers out there and they're hoping they get that listing from that person. Yep. So let me, let me pivot a little bit here and just maybe pop off a few questions, which I I say, I'm going to pop them off. Like they're going to be fast. And then we wind up in like a 30 minute conversation. That's neither here nor there. What, uh, what advice would you give to a brand new agent just starting out, uh, from the lending perspective? What do you think new agents need to know and where they should be spending their time, what they should be doing? Like what, what advice do you have for the rookies? Yeah, I think, um, during our, I think there's a cohesiveness that agents um, and lenders need to have, and I think be on the same page with. And so, some some questions that you can ask are, are you know, what is your time frame for buying? Um, how much do you have for a down payment, or how much can you get? Where would it come from? Um, your estimated credit score. Do you have a budget? Right. Start talking about some just the basic elements that a lender will have to ask, but that you can start learning the game from. So yep. you'll have to know you know, qualifying credit scores. You don't have to qualify them, but you want to know if it's you're in you're in the game or not. Totally. Right. You'll want to know, hey, is 
is it a down payment enough that somebody has or not or not right those are, that's information that you, you you'll want to know um the other thing is you know that budget yeah you know, understanding what somebody qualifies for and what they're budgeted for will allow you to help put sure. them in the right position as far as Alice is concerned. But taking that information and then, you know, maybe spending a little bit more time with the lender on their first couple ones and not saying, Hey, they're pre-qualified, yeah. but going, Hey lender, what are they pre-qualified for? What does that mean? Yeah. What are the parameters around it? Just so you can start learning the game because I don't need to be a real estate expert to help ask questions of, my clients to help the real estate agent partner out right and vice versa yeah and it's the vice versa that all the agents out there really need to hear especially the new ones i I say especially the new ones anybody that's not doing enough consistent business and you just don't have the you don't have the wherewithal it's not in your routine to do this kind of stuff like you know this is this is really really positive feedback and it comes back to what we had mentioned before Frank doesn't need to know how to be a realtor. The realtor doesn't need to know how to be the loan officer, but you do have to understand enough about one another's process so that you can respect what goes into it, first of all, because I I don't know about you, dude, but like one huge thing that I got is just there's no respect for anybody anymore. Like, you know, and that's a... That's a whole other rabbit hole that was yeah. stepping, but um, maybe that's a ramble because there's probably alcohol behind that conversation. But um, no, but just appreciating what what goes into getting stuff done, but also understanding just enough so that you're not like a freaking moron when you go out there talking about stuff that you seemingly know nothing about. Yeah. Like, I'm a firm believer that there's nothing wrong with saying, you know, it, that's a great question. Let me let me make a call or let me direct you to this person and you know I'll get the answer for you or whatever, right? Yeah. But if you have to do that every time somebody asks a question, it's like, yeah, maybe you don't know all your stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so the the other thing is is I think it's always important to have three lenders yeah. available that you trust. But I would not refer your client to three lenders to start with. Oh, that's interesting. And, and why not? It's confusing for the client. Okay. And and they're going at it in in an atmosphere that's already kind of sometimes there's fear in it, mm-hmm. right? And now you're referring them to three different people, three different conversations, trying to choose which one to go with. Yeah, and then they come back and it can delay the process. So uh, how should? So I always think that you should have your three lined up, ready to okay. go. Have your go-to person and know what they specialize in. Sure. And if it doesn't work out with that person, they say, hey, they're not qualified or your, your client's not happy completely, like a 10, then refer to your other person. Because I I have a very good processing staff. I have an amazing underwriting staff. But I hate to say it, people have qualified some of my buyers that I said a no to, right? And sometimes that was on, done on purpose because they're too far on a line and I didn't want to ruin a relationship with an agent. Um, or they just saw something we didn't see. Right. And it's always important that a no doesn't mean it's an absolute no. And to go to your next person to just confirm that, that it's really a no. (laughs) Sure. Yeah. And that makes sense. I mean, you know, I've got, I've got three lenders that I work with regularly. Mm -hmm. You're obviously one of them. And I I actually do referrals oftentimes based on personality type as well Mm -hmm. as the loan product and not because that's where I think they necessarily get the best rate. But if I had to prioritize and I'm only going to give one person at a time, I sit there and go, all right, the first thing I'm going to do is give you to somebody that I think you'll mesh well with personally. And then if you come back to me and say, yeah, dude, that's great. But the guy has a dog shit rate. Then I'm going to come back and say, all right, well, you could also use so-and-so, but be aware, you know, they may be a little more aggressive than you like, or they may not be, you know what I mean? Like you kind of, cause I think, 
I don't know, like obviously you want to protect your client's best interest and you want to make sure they're getting the best rate and they're getting all that stuff, but it's hard for them to ask the right questions and do that without being intimidated and ultimately get like the full spectrum of things that they need to do if the personality is not there. Same, same as like working with a realtor. They, the realtor can't honestly provide you good service unless they're human enough to talk right. to you, right? Well, and it's the same thing. So if I had a client that I'm going to refer to. That's why I never to, refer to you, by the yeah, way. Yeah, exactly. fucking exactly worst personality sure. ever. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> so then if, but if I had a, if I had a client to refer. Yeah. And I said, hey, I'm going to send it to three realtors. What would your response be? Go for it. Yeah. Yeah. And in fact, I'll literally, I literally will walk into a listing presentation and in my bag, I carry my top five competitors for the area that I'm going into the listing presentation with. And I do it because first of all, nobody does it. And uh, second, I do it because I think it's such a boast of like confidence. And I say, Hey, actually I am so committed to making sure that you wind up with an agent that serves this area well, and that knows their stuff that if you're not going to hire me, then I would highly recommend that you interview these people. Yep. And if you feel confident about interviewing somebody else, then I would recommend that you interview them anyway, because I want to make sure that the candidate pool that I'm competing against is the best. Right. And a lot of times they just never call those people because they're like, damn, that's bold. <laughs> but it, uh, well, it is. And you're, it, you're ready for it at the beginning. Right. Yeah. And you're definitely skilled in what you're doing. And I agree. Yeah. That's, I mean, that, that's the way to go. If you take the majority of agents out there, that's not going to be their answer. I totally get it. And, and those are the agents I love competing against because they're never on that list. Um, so and, and you know what the funny thing is? is that that? The, the people that I compete with, like we're friends, we talk. Like I, I know all, you do. I, like I, 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 I know you do. all the time. <laughs> and that, that that's the funny part because when they're referred somewhere else, we kind of have. We I mean we don't interact about it, but yeah. we we know it's there. We we know like I've had it where somebody's referred to somebody else, and I'm like. You know what? At least I know that you're taken care of. Dude, I know it's gonna go through. Th- and others, that, I'm like, yeah. you that you should not do that. Bad and idea. And I, yeah. yeah, it's just not gonna work out the way that you expect because even though something has a lower rate, if you can't get it done, it's zero. It's zero. <laughs> yeah, right? I mean, not that this matters, but this is before I knew you this a few years ago. But I, um, I, I had a lender I'd referred a deal to and ended up going to somebody else. And I tried to be secretive about it because I felt bad that like the guy that I referred wasn't going to get it. Ultimately, it went with somebody else that I also work with now. Um, and, and you know, the guy that I had originally referred to came up to me one day and he's like, dude, it went to so-and-so. It's like, yeah. I know that guy. He's like, yeah. why don't you just tell me? I was like, yeah. oh, I don't know. Like, first of all, it's none of your business. But second, I didn't know y'all, y'all you guys talked. <laughs> well, yeah. And then I think, but we you see, good ones talk. Well, yeah. we do because yeah. they're the, they're the ones that are leading meetings. Yeah. They're the ones that are forecasted. I'm, I'm in the top 1% in the country. Yeah. Right. And we have a group in Orange County that are also part of that 1% and we yeah. know about each other and we're usually the other one of the three <laughs> it's like the best and the worst group of people to lose business to because yeah. it's like ah oh, damn it like i'm i'm better than that number one yeah. you know what i mean but yeah. it's also it's also rewarding because i think the i think the listings that i lose to agents that do like you know a tenth of my production i'm just oh come on man really yeah. i lost to this guy like yeah. this is terrible you know but yeah. you know it is what it is i'd rather lose to the the top dogs but you said um one thing to kind of call this back you had mentioned you know agents need to know you know, what the different lenders specialize in, what the, what they can provide. And I wanted to ask you specifically for, for Bay equity, Mm -hmm. what, like, what do you guys specifically specialize in and why it was that an influence and why you selected to work there? Oh, that's a, that's a great question. Well, 
one of the main reasons I selected Bay Equity was a culture set. They okay. have three owners that are in their 40s. They're family guys, and they're very honest, and I could trust what they were going to say um, would actually come through. Yep. Negotiations and choosing to go to a bank. Um, same thing with agents. I want that for me is that when we give a pre-approval, I want them to go like, hey, Frank and his team have this. Yeah. Don't worry. It's going to get done. Yeah. And part of that reason to your question was that we are agency direct, which means that we go directly from Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, FHA and VA guidelines. Um, and we don't have overlays, which are which means additional rules right. to what those entities rules already are. Got it. And so we wanted to be able to go like, hey, when we run the automated underwriting system referred to as AUS or DU or LP, for you guys yep. out there that when it says approved, if we put in the right information, we know it's gonna happen. Yeah. And so Bay Equities does that. And then if I need something, granted that situation sure. that you're in, I had the president on the phone. Right. Right. And I was showing you emails from the president of the company yeah. about what was gonna happen, timeframes that it was gonna happen within. So sometimes we need that backing to make sure that the deal's held together. Um, when those situations do come up, um, Thankfully, yeah. they're not frequently. Otherwise, yeah. I probably wouldn't be in the industry anymore. It'd be different. <laughs> but, but we can trust that it's going to get done. Um, we have a lot of products. The other aspect of Bay Equity is that we can broker out. Yep. So if the Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, those those entities aren't working or the jumbo products that we have, um, we can't fit them in within any of the guidelines. Yep. We can go outside to get like a bank statement program for a national, those type of programs. And just to clarify, um, you had mentioned something about overlays. Yeah. So especially for the newer agent, so they understand exactly what that means. The To, to do a loan, there are certain guidelines anyway for Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac that have to be met. Yep. Overlays means the bank has additional criteria required of their own, right? Yeah, like, so let's, let's say that uh, VA allows uh, a 550 credit score. Got it. But uh, a bank may say our overlay is 600. So okay. even though VA will accept 550, we will not accept lower than 600. And part of that reason is they might find that that's a higher default rate Got under it. 600, so they just choose not to do it. Okay. Right. So, so are those banks servicing criteria. those loans and they're not selling them off or why would they why would they put that overlay in there? I get because higher default rate, but yeah. how does the higher default rate affect them? They're not selling yeah, on the so secondary? What, yeah, so what's happening is that either banks, if they're servicing themselves, mm -hmm. if something goes to default, they have to pay. Yep. Um, or if something's sold in a package to a servicing company. Yep. And if, if a certain amount of those go uh, into default under a certain period of time, then the whole pool might be purchased, have to be purchased back. Got it. Um, the pool is like a group of you know, a thousand loans, let's say, that are grouped together. Um, that's what happened with the, the too big to fail, right? Yeah. Um, less than that happens, <laughs> right? So, um, or um, if it defaults within uh, a certain time period, the bank might have to buy the loan back. So like in Orange okay. County, our government loans go to 679, 650, right? So then all of a sudden they have to buy back you know, almost $700,000 in a loan. Right. You know, even though they have the money, I'm sure it's planned for something else not to pay, not to buy back a loan. Yeah, good thought. <laughs> right. So that's why those overlays are put in place is to all these rules are not to protect the consumer. Oh, of course they're not. They're, they're there to protect the, 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 the investor and the bank. Yeah. Um, but allow the person to get a loan, right, of four or five million dollars that they don't have. Yeah, absolutely. And, and people have to keep in mind, like, well, let me ask you this, too. Actually, I'll go on the quick tangent. Um, 
what uh, can you define who the appraiser who the appraisal protects a lot can of I define that yeah who who having an appraisal protects who everyone okay why well, the investor not to lend on something that a home is not worth. Yep. The buyer not to buy something if the home is not worth it. Yep. Um, so I guess not the seller. <laughs> Doesn't protect the seller, but the re the reason I ask that is because oftentimes you know agents are pitching that like you know the appraisal protects you. Yeah. Or or the buyer might have this misconceived notion that the appraisal only protects the bank. Yeah. And there's multiple parties that it protects. And this goes again back to this idea that you got to understand what the hell you're dealing with here. Yeah. Well, right? in a low inventory market, yeah. when homes aren't turning as much as they are, that whole rule is, is off the table, right? right? It doesn't necessarily protect the consumer. Mm -hmm. It protects the bank. Because they're going right? to play because conservative. Because of the rules, right? right? So, and what I mean by that is market value is different than appraised value. Right. Just like you don't comp a home by um, price per square foot. <laughs> You know, you don't. Yeah, that's a whole other sales meeting, everybody. Yes, but I had to. <laughs> please, I had to put God, that one. Please in there. <laughs> don't do that. Please don't do that. Yeah. Um. One other thing that you really mentioned that that struck a chord with me in this this small part of our dialogue here was um, you picked Bay Equity because of the culture set. Yeah. And um, you know, I've I've experienced that on the real estate side too. Just you know, the culture and the environment overall can have a dramatic impact on your mental. That's and right. your mindset. Um, how long have you been specifically with Bay Equity? Three and a half years. Okay. Yeah. And was it culture that drove you there or was it something else? Like, was it being more, being able to compete more with the products that they offered or a combination? Yeah. It, it, it's, it's just like with me, like I can be a nice guy and we can have a great relationship, but if I don't perform, you're not going to choose me as your preferred lender. Right. Right. We'll go out for a beer or something like that at some point. Sure. Um, their, their backing and their performance was, was number one. Yeah. Right. And then the culture and trusting the guys and the environment was number two. And, and what that means is like, are you working in an environment where you actually want to go to work right. and you feel people are pulling the rope next to you? Or are you going into an environment where it's like ghost town and you're there by yourself? Yeah. Right? And so your performance of their performance of, and being able to do what they say, number one, yep. and then their culture set number two, yep. number one happens because of number two. Yeah. So in some ways the culture set is the top of the line, like, but it seems secondary right because they're just so good at performing and now you've got this positive culture but what so many people have to remember is that being in the right mindset having the right culture having being in the right atmosphere whether that's the brokerage that you're at or just creating an office space or a dungeon like the one that we're in um you know like but whatever serves your mental the best is where you're going to function the most and where you're going to be able to feel like you're in your element you can provide good customer service you can operate with honesty and integrity and play your game like you can hunt the right way because you've got all the right tools and and that can change yeah and that in that culture, like, and I'm, and I'm saying this, uh, you know, I'm, I'm tailing off of you and taking all the credit for it, which I shouldn't do, but I'm going to anyway, but like the, you know, that it's culture play, what's that? It's your podcast. Go yeah, for it. Yeah. Whatever. You yeah. know, no, but, but no, but, and, and you deserve equal credit. I mean, that culture set and you know what you're doing with your mastermind group and, you know, keeping yourself elevated by being associated with your coach and your, you know, on multiple levels, you got two coaches, like all of these things not only go into like office culture and team culture but they go into personal culture and mindset mm -hmm. and having that positive and productive mindset fuels every single thing that you do it's the same thing as like like 
sometimes my wife and I would get up in the morning and depending on how the evening went with our, you know, with our baby, yeah. our 20 month old or 22 uh, month old now, it's like, oh, today's going to be the worst day ever. And it's like, well, if you say so, you know what I mean? It's like that, you know, if you're not in the right mindset, you don't have the right culture surrounding you in that good, positive workspace, then like you're screwed anyway. Yeah. I mean, so if you don't have a hundred percent commission. <laughs> is zero if you don't do deals, <laughs> right? You net zero. Right. And so if you can find the right culture and environment that's gonna actually help you get to your goals, whatever it may be, Yeah. and then it might they might hit a ceiling with yeah. that. I mean, we, myself and my partner in the previous group we were at, we, we were the top five loan officers in the company. But we looked outside of that, that bank and we're like, yeah. well, it's not even the top 1% on Ascent elsewhere. And so part of that was- I thought like, you were gonna say the other way, like, dude, if we leave, we could be number one yeah, exactly. else. <laughs> no, it was actually the opposite. We yeah. actually wanted to go, hey, if we go to a group that has better people that Push we can yourself. learn from, yeah. we might not be the top five anymore, but we're gonna make more, we're gonna help out a lot more people, and we're gonna learn the foundations of what they, they've they learned and the bumps and bruises that they've went through yeah. to be better. So this is a success hack of, you know, you're the average of the five people you most closely surround yourself That's with, right. right? And like, That's right. and it's funny, like, you know, it's like, oh yeah, you know, you want a red Corvette, you start seeing red Corvettes everywhere. And it's funny, like you, you know, I adopt a word mindset and now I hear it everywhere, but it's funny because when I've elevated my game and when you elevate your game and you start, you know, you've adopted a coach and you're, you know, restructuring things and upping your culture and your, your environment and all that stuff, like you just hear it. It's like, oh, it's cliche. It's like, well, yeah, but it's also true. Yeah. But it's, it's also happening. the decision to do it. That Exactly. Right. Yep. It's it's going like I've heard it enough. I've said it enough. Now I'm actually gonna go make it happen. Right. Because I I, I mean I've had on my goals for three years to lose a certain amount of weight. Right. Yeah. And I had neck surgery last year. All these things come up, and then you finally decide to go get it done. You know, I, I had guys that were in the same coaching groups as me, and they're in the they're in the top four hundred people in the U S. for origination, not the top one percent. And they decided to just go do it. Yep. Right. And I did it. Right. So it's it's a mental decision to go like, all right, I'm over it. I'm taking my bumps and bruises, but I'm gonna go get it done. Totally get it. Yep. All right. So you brought something up, uh, and I didn't know about this. And if you don't want to go into detail, then whatever. You have to go into detail anyway. Um, you said you had neck surgery last year. Yeah. Did that? How long did did that take you out of the game? Like, was that a? I know nowadays it's like you could have like a spine replacement and they'll send you back out walking like the next day. Yeah. So that was the problem. So I had the doctor said you can be back at work in seven days. Okay. I went back way too soon. Okay. And so I was, I was really dragging through the year. Okay. Trying to find the right progression of how my body should take exercise and everything else movement work everything else so i was i dragged more than i should have so i don't want to be presumptive and say that that's the darkest moment but obviously a pretty big distraction so like overall in general mm -hmm. um it sounds like in some ways that kind of threw you for a loop threw you off your game broke your stride when strides broken well that was right after the election right so yeah. everything took a standstill yep in January, and I had neck surgery January 26. Okay. And so I was. Oh, it's good timing then. It's nice and mellow. I'm yeah. just kidding. <laughs> yeah. So I was going like, hey, you know, you got January, big goals. All right. I should have enough in my pipeline to keep things going. And then it yeah. just took a standstill. And then we're doing a remodel on our house and all this stuff mm -hmm. at the same time. I'm like, crap. Yep. So, how do, like, 
obviously a lot of moving parts in that a lot of distractions um if there's a different moment that's you know that was darker or worse you can elaborate or choose not to but just in general when you break stride when something throws you off your game like how do you what what is it that you do what's your practice to kind of like refocus to get back in like do you take time off is it just is it like a five minute meditation and you're good like like what do you do to get back in your game yeah i think um being in this industry you have to know your why yeah because it gets very repetitive after a while even though you're seeing different homes and things change all the time um knowing your why brings you back to focus what's your why my my wife and my son Mm -hmm. 100 percent. and coming back to that so i take (laughs) yes when those things happen and they they do come up where you have letdowns i had somebody where we, we had docs sent to escrow and they canceled me for eighth better interest rate because rates went down after we locked their loan. I yep. did everything I should have done and the market just went down unexpectedly and I was mad. I was pissed about it, but so I just took a break, evaluated, go back to the why. Big time. And you know what? Going to the why is super important. I think it it is what helps a lot of us regain our focus. Um, I think it's just I think it's just too common that agents, lenders, sales professionals, 100% commission people in general, they sit there and they're like, well, I'm going to punch through it. And sometimes it's like, man, if you're having like, if you're having a bad moment, don't be afraid to step away. I had someone tell me once, they're like, dude, just go home. Like, what do you mean go home? I got stuff to do. Like, no, go home. Like, if you're just going to sit here and work at like a quarter of the pace because you're pissed off and angry, then just go home. Yeah. Recharge take the rest of the day, take yeah. tomorrow if you need to, yeah. and then come back and blitz at the end of the week, like whatever. And it's, it, it really, it's unbelievable what a difference that makes. And you have to do it. And that's not only, that's not only when bad things happen, it's when you've worked a certain amount of days and haven't had a mental recharge in a while. Yeah. It's necessary because if you're going at 70%, you're going to hit a wall at some point anyways. I mean, that was one of the reasons I left 24 fitness. I was, I was, doing something to help people right right, get in better shape but i wasn't mentally focused i wasn't in the best shape i wanted to be in yep and i was just burnt out so do you go to 24 hour now yeah oh okay yeah it took a while no they're a great group they're a great group yeah (laughs) i was gonna be like oh so are you like a lifetime guy or one of the cool things (laughs) about being in that industry is that now i see you know people that work for me um have their own gyms now oh that's kind of cool and, and so i actually just found out one a guy that used to work for me he was a trainer i was in the district position he's like one of the top lenders in orange county oh really and i didn't know it till like a week and a half ago so I'm gonna, not that good. I'm gonna try to get in touch yeah with him. that's funny yeah i mean how, like number one guy how much is like fitness and health and and like whether it's a mental release or like actually important in other ways to you like how much does that play into you being able to focus during your day you seem like you're proactive and, and get to the gym and doing your thing. Yeah. So you talked about like my neck surgery back in the, in the past. So, yeah. um, I knew I needed the neck surgery when something that was a passion for me became painful and mm-hmm. unwanted anymore. And where I would go to it and I'd be in pain for a couple of days of just doing basic stuff. Yep. And so, um, working out and being mentally in shape is important to me. So <laughs> I'm not like, the body fat percentage that I want to be, but I'm, I'm it's cool, dude. We'll, we'll post a picture yeah, of you. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but being, you know, in shape enough and healthy is, is something that's really key. So, you know, we, we talk about it on the mastermind call, right? The, yeah. my 5am Peloton bike, yep. get on oh, 30, Peloton. To, yeah, 30 to 45 minutes. 
and it's a pain in the butt to get up. Yeah. But when it when I'm done, I'm like, Let's dude, we should do, do like Peloton interviews. I'll see if we could get a sponsorship somewhere, and then maybe we'll come in and we'll just be like. All right, man. Tell me about this. And yeah, like, just we're gonna do the mastermind in. on the Pel- Peloton. <laughs> exactly, that? that's yeah, what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, everybody get in there. But but yeah, just being mentally ready to go. Yeah, has helps out tremendously. But it's also when I'm having those days. Sometimes I just need to go get a workout in. Yeah, take a minute, recharge, get it out. It, let go. And whatever was there is still gonna be there. Yeah. Right. And thankfully, I have, I have a team. Right. And my team continues to handle stuff while I'm gone. They do most of the work, out. from what I understand. Pretty much. I mean, Corinne they, says that. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Yeah, they, they deserve <laughs> way more credit than they get. Um, <laughs> Appreciate your yeah, honesty. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I give them credit, but I mean, outside of yeah. our office. Yeah. But yeah, it's uh, it's definitely important. The health and in the way it's that part of that balance, right? And so it's that time management. Like I look at my week and I look at okay, here are the days ideally I'm gonna yeah. plan in my workout. Yep. The five a.m.s are really when my the rest of my day is packed and I know there's not gonna be any realistic time for me to get it in. Right. Or it's gonna be an uphill battle. And I'm just kidding myself that I'm actually gonna make the workout. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I uh, yeah workouts were getting in my way, so I stopped in February. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know it's funny. Uh, and and we'll kind of wrap on this because yeah. um, because I want to let you go. Uh, and give you a chance to let everyone know how to get a hold of you. But, you know, it, it's funny what you said. Like, when it gets painful enough, you know, to make the change, like, you change, right? Yeah. It gets painful enough, and you're like, gosh, I can't keep doing this. It's affecting me. And I, so you have the next surgery, or like, yeah. you know, like I needed a, I needed an MRI on my knee that I was supposed to get like four months ago, and yeah. I still don't know the freaking results, but it doesn't matter. Like, what? I finally was like, all right, I finally should go do this because yeah. it's bothering me. I haven't been able to work out. But the opposite is true too. Yeah. If you're not going through enough pain, are you really pushing yourself to achieve the goals that you want to? So that was a big yeah. discussion. I started, I started back again with my coach that I worked with a couple years ago, and a couple mm-hmm. years ago has been the best year I've ever had. And it, you know, refinances, rates, all that stuff came, sure. played a role in it. But you know, we had to do the work. And I told him, I said, I'm way too comfortable. Been in the top one percent for oh. several years now. You know, interesting, um, doing well, and I'm way too comfortable. I'm not. I need to go through the pain mm-hmm. in every aspect of my life. And it was like communication with my wife. It, it's doing doing a little bit more with my son because I got complacent with before the surgery. It was painful to do a lot with my son. So I'm like go get home and do something with them right right make those extra phone calls that you know you need to make push yourself to grow the business go through some of the pain because otherwise you're never going to grow in the areas that you want to grow in yeah and that was a big catalyst to setting our goals up for 2018 was you're going to have to endure some of the pain if you want to hit the growth that you want to achieve yep and enduring the pain is super important um for those of you who are just now tuning into re-raw um, you can march your butt back to our first sales meeting, which talked about goal setting. And if you want the best tip I can give you to help you avoid complacency, if you're not in any pain at all, is to set multiple goals. Yeah. Um, you know, have three goals. So if you hit one, you're always chasing the next one and then reset a third goal. So there's always something that you're working towards. Uh, but you're right, man. You got to keep that needle right on your butt. And, you know, because if you sit back. If you sit back, right? If you sit, you, then let's. Yeah. I know you, man. You got that standing desk. Don't don't sit yeah. there and act stupid. I know you're not you sitting down on the butt. I'm yeah, like, you gotta I'm sit. Like, you gotta put that. that you gotta put that needle right next to your butt. And if you <laughs> yeah. back up, if you back up, if you go backwards, if you got sit it. down, okay. and then needle pokes you in the yeah. ass and it gets you going again. Gosh, yeah, boy, this was going well, dark here for fit, a minute. I fit, thought Frank was gonna fitness leave. Fitness and stuff that can mean like steroids. I mean, they, oh crazy yeah, yeah. So basically, you need to roid up and play the game. So great, clarifying. Yeah, perfect. All right, well, we'll put the link to a rehab facility in the show notes, and we'll go from there. 
there. Yeah. Now, thanks for being here, and and we're we're wrapping up with Frank Blakely here from Bay Equity Home Loans, and uh, you know Frank is is very much a mentor in my life um, with your mastermind group and all that. It's been you. a great asset to my business and my personal development as well, um, probably more so than I've ever credited you with. So thank you for that. Um, but talked a lot about culture set, uh, mindset, how environment impacts you, understand your why, what brings you back to focus, provide different value, um, you know, be honest, understand who you're ultimately working with, and in the end, keep that needle in your butt, but not the one with the steroids. <laughs> so, um, guys, uh, we're going to wrap things up, but I want to give uh, Frank a quick opportunity for closing thoughts, and then how can our listeners get a hold of you if they want to uh, bother you? Yeah, well, thank you for having me on. I know we've talked about it for a little while now yeah. but more importantly I, i'm <laughs> super welcome. stoked that you got this going because it's thanks man this is a big deal for you so i mean a lot of our conversations aren't about real estate it's really how the podcast going and <laughs> yeah you know, what, what what do you i mean because that's a big thing for you yeah right? the real estate's that's happening you know i got that why, down. <laughs> right yeah. but I, I think uh be passionate about what you do yeah have a plan and and know your why and yeah. really know your why and be willing to do what it takes for your why um otherwise you're just you know, there's, we're, we're swimming in a sea of mediocrity, you know, let's yeah. face it. And those that want to rise above the mediocrity will go through some of the pain and they'll get there. And, um, but that's it. But yeah, thanks for having me. Um, so, uh, Frank Blakely, I'm, um, one of two area sales managers with a mission Viejo Bay equity home loans. Um, how you reach me is you can call my cell 949-433-0539 or my emails, uh, F Blakely, B L A K E L E Y at Bay com. Um, and be happy to help out in any way I can. That's awesome. Thank you very much again for being here. And uh, if you guys weren't in a place to write that down or you missed it, uh, head over to reraw.com. That's R-E-R-A-W.com and check out the show notes for Frank. And uh, you'll be able to get all of his contact information, all the uh, access to the tips and tricks. Um, we'll, we'll throw a link in there to the win by noon site. So anybody that wants to check that planner out and see that, you certainly can. And then, of course, um, you can harass Frank on a uh, more than regular basis, which would be lovely. Prank calls and all. And uh, keep that needle in your butt, you guys. That's all I can say. Um, <laughs> uh, guys, uh, Frank did talk about uh, coaching and how important that is in his life. And here at Rera, we're, we're really dedicated to helping you grow your business. So I just want to say thank you very much to all of you for caring enough about yourself, your business, your growth and development. And, uh, you know, if this is any kind of uh, growth tool for you, I hope it's like a free coaching opportunity for you and, and something that you can access. It's at your fingertips. You can re-listen to whenever you want. So thanks again for being here. Make sure you check out the website. Follow us on Instagram at Real Estate Raw. And then we've got an awesome Facebook group, um, which is also Real Estate Raw. So facebook.com forward slash group forward slash uh, Real Estate Raw. And you can check out that closed group. We're doing live calls every couple of weeks so that you can uh, you know do Q&As and all that good stuff. So check it out. And if you have any other questions, um, ask Frank. You got his info. <laughs> That's all I got, man. So we'll wrap things on that. And uh, thanks again for being here. Remember, real agents work. We'll catch you guys on Friday. Today's episode is sponsored by Ava. Stop missing hot leads when you're out with a client or spending time with friends and family. Ava is a professional inside sales team and will respond to and nurture leads 24-7. And you step back in when the leads are ready to talk to an agent. Visit reraw.com forward slash Ava to learn more. Again, that's reraw.com forward slash A-I-V-A.